0: (laughs) Yes, they asked me to sing that song, and I was like, (laughs) maybe if it was challenging, I would give it a try, but yeah. (laughs) Hey, I'm glad you're here. My name's Ben. I'm the teaching pastor here. Glad you're here. Glad to be back. Um, So hey, I got a question for you to kick this thing off. Have you ever had one of those seasons of life where like once the thing's finally over and you can kind of look back on it and reflect on it, you think to yourself like, yeah, that one almost killed me, right? You know, work is crazy and home is crazy, relationships, health, schedule, all just madness, right? For me, uh. One of those seasons in my life was when Allie and I had our very first kid. It was our daughter, Emery, right? Having your first kid is like a massive shock to the system to begin with, but on top of that, Em was born really early. She was like one day short of technically being a premature baby. Thankfully, this didn't mean you, or anything. It just meant an extra day at the hospital and then some extra care and attention when we got home, all right, and one of the things we had to do as extra care and attention when we got home is this terrible thing called triple feeding, all right? There's one person who chuckled over here, that's because they know what this is. <laughs> and they're chuckling because they're crazy people now. Um, so if you don't know what triple feeding is, here's what it is, it's this intensive feeding schedule to make sure that a really tiny newborn is getting enough nutrients and gaining rapid weight. All right. So for three days, we only had to do it for three days, it felt like weeks, you know, but it was only three days. We had to do this process that took an hour and 15 minutes every single time. Uh, It's it's breastfeeding, pumping, formula, washing all the bottles, all that stuff. I could help out because I could feed bottles and and take care of the cleaning and stuff. So I was up with Allie every time we did this. It took an hour and 15 minutes every time we did it, and we had to do it every two hours, right? Yeah if you suck at math like I do, don't worry, I got a calculator, I did it for us, all right? It meant that Allie and I, the most sleep we could get for three days straight was in 45 minute chunks. And that's if everything went perfectly and we did it on time and Emory went right to sleep. And it's still to this day, the only time in my life I've been truly, like, truly legitimately sleep deprived. Right? if you've ever been truly sleep deprived, you know how terrible it is, right? Your body shuts down. The first thing to go out the window is balance. Balance disappears, right? So I was walking through my hallway like on tightrope, you know, like look drunk in my house all the time. Balance goes out the window. Memory disappears, right? Couldn't remember common English words. Couldn't remember the name of our newborn, you know. So I'd be like, you know, it's my time to feed her. I'd be like, hand me, uh, shoot. <laughs> yes, yeah, on the tip of my tongue. <laughs> Right, hand me this small, fleshy, screaming machine that we made together. Memory goes out the window, and then your body just gives up. <laughs> like, your body does weird stuff. For example, this is gross but true, uh, uh, Emery one night has a blowout diaper all up Ally's arm, right? So Allie's like, oh, gross, she sits up, and then when she sits up, Emery vomits all over her shirt. Right, So now she's got two of the big three on her. Right, So Allie goes to the kitchen to start washing all this off, and while she's in the kitchen, she peed her own pants. <laughs> Still don't know how or why that happened. Right, I got permission to tell that story. And <laughs> I don't know why she gave me permission to tell that story. <laughs> Just shuts down, it's awful, sleep deprivation's terrible. It only freaked me out one time, though. All right, this is when the alarm went off in the middle of the night to feed Emery again, and so Allie wakes me up and she's like, hey, can you get the formula and the bottles ready? Yeah, no problem. I sit up on the edge of the bed and I just freeze. I'm starting to freak out because I literally cannot remember the layout of my home, <laughs> and I mean literally. So I'm sitting on the edge of the bed and I'm staring out the bedroom door going like, okay, all right, all right, is this a two-story house? Okay, I think so, where are the stairs? And then where's my kitchen, and where am I? And Allie, after a couple seconds, she looks at me, she's like, are you all right? And I'm straight up with her, I'm like, I'm not all right. Like, I don't know where our kitchen is. When I tell her that, she just laughs in my face. (laughs) (laughs) Which women, like, that's not very helpful. Like in a man's most vulnerable moments. So I'm being laughed at and I'm like, I gotta figure this out. So I just walk out the bedroom door like this modern day Christopher Columbus, you know? Like out to chart new territory. It was terrible, all right? We were just completely fried. Now, of course, I'm alive today, right? I found the kitchen. It took a little while, but I found the kitchen. And M got healthy, M grew up, we made it out alive, right? But that's one of those seasons that Allie and I look back on and we go, yeah, that one just about killed us. Right? And the truth, though, is that th- th- I can look back on that and have a good laugh about it, but if I'm being honest with you, I have other seasons of this is killing me seasons in my life that aren't funny. Right? They weren't funny in the moment, and they're not funny now when I look back on them. For example, the, the last year that I led student ministry here, it was killing me. All right? And don't get me wrong, I loved that job, and, and I miss it a lot. Right, But the problem was that I was gone from home all the time and I had little kids. And because of that, I basically don't remember the first few years of Emery and Micah's lives. Still to this day, Allie will be like, oh, do you remember when Micah was two and he did this one thing? And nine times out of 10, I'm like, nope. You know, I don't, don't remember, I was gone. I was gone at work or gone to program, gone to camp, or I was home and I was exhausted, Right, barely functioning. Just about killed me. The season where my anxiety and my depression were at their most crippling, took everything in me just to get out of bed and take a shower and brush my teeth and drive myself to work. If you don't have depression, that sounds ridiculous. If you do, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It become these impossible tasks. I just felt so weighted down by this darkness just about killed me. And I know I'm not the only one in the room who's been through a season where you go, this is killing me. Some of us have been there and done that. Others of us were there right now. And the name for that feeling that you get is burnout. Anytime that you're like, man, this is physically, spiritually, like emotionally killing me, that's called burnout. Burnout's actually a very real deal in our nation right now. Some of you might know this because you're in the medical field, but, but the term burnout has now been included in the medical dictionary, like right there with bone fracture and the flu. Right? And the medical definition of burnout is this, it's an exhaustion of physical or emotional strength, usually as a result of prolonged stress or frustration. It's in the dictionary now. The reason it's in the medical dictionary now is because burnout now accounts for an estimated $190 billion in healthcare spending every single year in America. It's been proven that burnout leads to type two diabetes, coronary heart disease, depression, high cholesterol, just to name a few. And according to a recent study by Gallup, the study said that 50% of America, half of this room, feels burned out multiple times a year. And according to the study, one fourth of this room, one out of every four of us, we feel burned out every single day of our lives, every day. It's just the facts, it's the statistics. We are a nation of physically, emotionally, spiritually exhausted people, and it's making us feel sick and detached and purposeless and depressed, and it's robbing us of our lives. For a lot of us, metaphorically, for some of us, sadly, literally. Some of us might be sitting in here and you're going, oh, that's crazy, I didn't know it was that big of a deal, but you know, not me, I'm not burned out. I truly hope that's the case. Right? But what I think is probably more likely is that we are burned out, we just didn't know it was a thing, like a medical thing. Or we got a hunch that we're burned out, but we don't wanna admit it, right? It sounds weak. So we say we're not burned out, but at the same time, we're showing all the indicators of burnout. You know, for example, we keep telling ourselves and everyone around us it's just a season. Right? I can't tell you how many times I told Ali that it's just a season. When it comes to work, hey, it's just a season, right? Like in the end, this is gonna be for the best. And I'm putting in the hours and I'm growing and I'm learning. And plus, I do ministry. It's very important. And so, you know, my exhaustion will be worth it. It's just a season. When it came to my depression, hey, it's just a season. I'm not gonna feel like this forever. And God's just trying to teach me something. You know, Christians love to use that one, myself included. God's just trying to teach me something. It'll be over soon. It's just a season. Have you ever said that? Because Let's face it, like being, for example, a stay-at-home mom or a stay-at-home dad, that's hard work. You almost never talk to adults. You're at the beck and call of these little people all the time, it's wearing you thin, but hey, it's just a season, right? And sure, work's killing you. Yeah, you hate it, but you gotta make a paycheck. Or you love it, but you never see your family, or it's stressful, or dead-end, or never-ending, and you come home fried day after day after day, week after week, but hey, it's just a season, right? My question for us, though, is this. What if it's not just a season? Then what? What if it's not just a season? I'll never forget the day that I came home and I told Allie for the millionth time, it's just a season. And then in tears, she looked back at me and said, Ben, you've been saying that for years now. If the phrase, it's just a season, it's just a phase, if that's part of your common vernacular, you might be burned out or you're on your road to burn out. If you find yourself zoning out, you know, those moments where you're, you know, you're on your phone, you snap out of it, you look at the clock, and you realize you've been checking the score or checking Instagram for an hour now, just completely shut down like a zombie, you might be burned out, or you're on your road to burnout. If you find yourself lashing out in anger over stuff that you know isn't a big deal, that's one of my big tells, you might be burned out. Obsess over other people's lives. If only I had her house or his job or their kids, you might be burned out. If any of this sounds familiar, it's like the the song the band just played. Does that make me crazy? No, but it might make you burned out. And if that's you, this series is for you. This series is for anyone who said, it's just a season for three years now. It's for anyone who zones out at the TV or on their phone to escape reality. It's for anyone who keeps lashing out even, even though you know you're better than that. And this series is for anyone who, anytime you're asked how you doing, you always answer, I'm good, I'm tired but I'm good. See, because I got this hunch that according to that study, if 50% of us feel burned out multiple times a year, I think that there's a good portion of the other 50% of us that just didn't realize, maybe till now, that that's what's going on. Right? Oh, that's why I punched a hole in the drywall. Yeah. We're spiritually, physically, emotionally burned out people, and we're not quite sure what to do about it, so let's talk about it let's talk about it now at this time in the year, right? because let's face it, hate to break it to you, summer break is over, <laughs> right? The vacations have been taken, the backyard barbecues are slowing down, school's back in session, work is back into the full grind. And so before things get crazy, is it possible for us to get on the front end of our burnout, and does God have anything to say about something like burnout, or does he just care about where you go when you die? The question for us is this, is there hope for the burned out people? Or is this actually just a season that is going to last your entire life? That's what we're out to tackle in the middle of this series. Now, before you get frustrated or weepy or anything, going like, oh man, I am burned out and I didn't know it till now and I'm depressed, right? If that's you, (laughs) take a breath, all right? We just made it through the heaviest part of today's talk, all right, the rest is a breeze, I promise. Right. We have to start there, though, because we gotta be honest about whether or not we're exhausted and whether or not we're burned out, but I think you'll be surprised at where the rest of this talk is headed today. And my hope, what I've been praying for, is that when you leave those doors in 20 minutes, you leave with a weight off of your chest. And so let's get started. Does God have anything to say about burnout? The answer is yes. And the answer has actually been right under our noses in the Bible the entire time, and it's this thing called Sabbath. All right, Sabbath. It's a weird churchy word, all right? A lot of times our tendency with weird churchy words is to go, yeah, I don't know what it means. Sounds outdated, not for me. What I'm asking you to do is just hang on for a few minutes while I explain it. If we can get past the churchy word and to the heart of the idea, I think you and I are gonna discover that Sabbath sounds so dope, all right? (laughs) That's my goal today, is that you leave going, Sabbath sounds dope, all right? So Sabbath, what is it? All right, Sabbath is a fancy word that means a day of rest. All right, a Sabbath is a day of rest. It's, that word is the root of the word sabbatical, which is an extended period of rest. That's what Jim's doing right now. He's on sabbatical, an extended period of rest. But Sabbath means a day, one day of rest. Christians call it Sunday. The Jewish people call it Saturday. The rest of America just calls it the weekend. God calls it Sabbath. It is a purposeful, intentional day of rest, one every single week with no work and no to-do lists and no being productive, just rest. And again, in 21st century America, we just object to that almost immediately. Like, yeah, that sounds old school, right? Or we go, listen, I gotta work two jobs just to make ends meet, or I got too many kids with too many activities. I get it, I'm not gonna tell you what to do today. I'm just going to explain God's design for Sabbath, and then you can decide if it sounds helpful or not. Typically, though, we hear that and we go, yeah, it sounds a little old school. What's interesting to me, though, is that Sabbath is actually one of the like, famous 10 commandments. It's one of the only 10 things that God said, yeah, if you kinda live in this boundary of life, like you'll have a really good life. Says Sabbath is very, very important to God and that it'll serve us very, very well. What's interesting to me is that we look at the other Ten Commandments, stuff like, you know, don't murder dudes and don't like cheat on your wife or cheat on your husband and don't steal stuff from people. We look at those and we go, yeah, that makes sense in 2019. That still makes sense. That'd be a good way to live your life. But when it comes to keeping the Sabbath, Maintaining one day a week where you don't work and you don't plow through the to-do list is the commandment out of the 10 that has the most written about it. When it comes to that, we go, yeah, old school, right? That might've worked thousands of years ago, but not now, I'm too busy, I got too much to do. So my question is simply, is it possible that taking a day of rest every single week, is it possible that that's a good idea? And could it be possible that God was right to include it as one of his only 10 commandments? And if so, how might Sabbath, a day of rest, be good for us? That's what I wanna answer right now. To answer that, we gotta go back to the very first time we ever see it in action, right? This is at the very, very beginning of the Bible. The very first sentence of the Bible tells us that God made everything. Right? Genesis 1.1. in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In other words, in the beginning, God got to work. He worked, and he worked very hard, and he created everything. In the first five days, he, he created everything from grass to grasshoppers. I right? created massive things like the solar system, miniature things like protons and electrons. He just invented like it was an idea he had to invent color and sound and music and texture. He made everything. He made dogs for people to be best friends with. And then he also, for some reason, made cats. (laughs) For people to throw rocks at and stuff. (laughs) Here's what a cat joke does to a room. (laughs) It's split 50-50. It's like half laughing and then half people going, oh, and I love it. Anyway, so first five days, that's what he creates, all right? At the end of those five days, God steps back and he kind of brushes his hands off and he evaluates his work. And the Bible says that God saw that it was good. So rightfully so, God's like, yeah, that's some good work. Good work, me, right? But there's still something missing. So on the sixth day, God goes to town, right? He outdoes himself and he creates like his magnum opus. On the sixth day, God created man, mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And then only after creating men and women does the Bible say that God stepped back and brushed his hands off and evaluated his work, and God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. God's evaluation of his own work goes from good to very good when he creates humanity. We're like the pinnacle of his creativity, right? In God's eyes, you and I are his masterpieces. Why? Because we're made in his image. You and I are created to reflect God to the rest of the world. We talk about that a lot in here. right, so first six days, he creates everything and it's very, very good. He creates everything, everything from Earth to Mars and everything from Uranus to mine. (laughs) It always takes a second. (laughs) So he creates everything, right? In six days, what does he do on the seventh day? All right, well, the Bible says, some of you are just now getting it. There's like this pocket back there. They're like, oh, okay. (laughs) So in six days, he, he, he makes everything. What does God do on the seventh day? On the seventh day, Genesis says this. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he'd been doing, so on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. He stopped working. And then God blessed the seventh day, the day that he stopped working on. And he made it holy because on it, he rested from all the work of creating he had done. So on the seventh day, God actually makes one more thing for us. And it's this thing that would later become known as Sabbath, day of rest. And he blesses it and he makes it holy. And he says that a day of not working and only resting one day out of every seven would be a holy thing for us to be a part of. Now, most of us probably familiar with the story I just told, like the first seven days of creation, we're familiar with it, but here's what I think is interesting, all right? I think it's interesting that God creates Sabbath, a day of rest, while humanity is still living in perfection, everything's perfect. And so what were God and Adam and Eve doing on their day of rest if everything is perfect? Here's what I mean, because if you ask a typical church person, you go, hey, what's the point of Sunday, of Sabbath? right, they'll answer you usually, yeah, it's a chance to reconnect with God, right? And sure, I believe that too, that's great, but that's not what Adam and Eve are doing. They don't need reconnected with God, they're walking around the woods with them. If you ask a typical non-church person, hey, what's the point of the weekend, Sabbath? They'll tell you, oh, it's a chance to decompress from the stress of the working week, and sure, I agree, I believe that too, but that's not what Adam and Eve are doing. They're living in perfection. They're not stressed out about their work, having the time of their lives, just walking around butt naked Monday through Saturday naming animals. Like, what is there to complain about? (laughs) And so it's perfect. So like, what were God and Adam and Eve doing on their day of rest? And here's what I'm getting at. If we go back to our question, how might Sabbath, a day of rest, be good for us? I think one of the answers to that question is found right there in Genesis. And I think God modeled it for us when he created it. What did God do in a state of perfection when he rested? Well, it's what we just talked about. He stopped working in order to sit back and enjoy the very good things that he had made. And then he invites us to join him. How might Sabbath, a day of rest, be good for us? Here's how, and it might be a shocker for some of us, but here's how. We rest to enjoy life. It's not my opinion, it's Genesis. Sabbath, a weekly day of rest, is God's command for us to enjoy life. For some of us, especially if you, you know, you're in here for the first time, you were dragged in here, you lost a bet, whatever, probably sold a bad bag of Jesus that said Jesus is just mad at you all the time, right? If that's you, this might be the only truth you need to hear today. It's the truth that God wants you to enjoy your life. And in fact, I believe that sentence on the screen is at the bottom of every long chain of why questions you could ever ask about God. The long chain of why questions, any of us who have or have had kids, we know what that is, right? Like, this is the phase that my daughter Emery is in now, now that she's six years old. She just asks why constantly about everything, right? So, Dad, why is it bedtime? Well, Emery, because it's nighttime. Well, Dad, why is it nighttime? Well, M, because the sun set. Dad, why did the sun set? M, you are at the extent of my scientific knowledge. I don't know. <laughs> Right, she just asks why, why, why constantly. And if she keeps asking it and I keep entertaining it, the answers at the bottom are always the same, 100% of the time. She goes, why, 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 why? Dad, why is it that way? Well, M, because that's how God made it. Well, Dad, why did God make it that way? Well, M, because he thought you'd enjoy that. Why, Dad? Because he's good. It sounds very pastry and spiritual of me as a father, but honestly, most of the time, I'm just shouting that at her in annoyance because I have been answering questions for 15 minutes. And so now I just jump to that answer. So now she'll be like, hey, Dad, why is spaghetti slimy? And I'm like, because God's good and he thought you'd enjoy that. Eat your dinner. But the same is true with all this Jesus stuff that we talk about in here all the time. If you ask why, 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 all the way down to the root of the issue, every single time you get to, because God is good and God wants you to enjoy your life, this truth is found all over the Bible and we talk about it all the time. You know, we say Jesus came to give you life and a life that's full and abundant. He came to give you a good life. Jesus says that it's for freedom that he set us free, meaning he set us free so that we could live like free people, not chained people. God wants to give you a better life. God wants you to enjoy your life. Why? Because he's good. And this is where anyone who's been a Christian for a long, long time, we tend to get our wires crossed, all right? And we get real uncomfortable at this idea that God wants us to enjoy our life. So we sit there and we go, Okay, yeah, God wants me to enjoy my life. But more than that, like, doesn't he want me to feel sorry all the time and feel guilty for the things I've done? No. Your guilt was put to death on a cross. That's why we worship Jesus. Why would Jesus ever do a thing like that? Because he's good and he wants you to enjoy your life. Yeah, but I thought he wanted me to change my life and obey him all the time. Well, okay, yes, but not because he's out to ruin your fun not because he's like control freak. Why does he want you to obey him? Because he's good and he wants you to enjoy your life. And obedience is like this highway towards a better, more enjoying life. God wants you to enjoy your life. Christians, it's okay that that's true. There's this this phrase for the love of God that's in our cultural vocabulary. Right? We usually end it with something passive aggressive. Right? No, for the love of God, do the dishes, <laughs> whatever. Right? That's wrong, that's manipulative. I can already picture my grandma watching this online being like, oh gosh, she's cursing on stage. <laughs> <Whatever>. <laughs> Here's why I bring it up though. In light of what we're talking about, I think it is completely theologically accurate to say this to you. For the love of God, enjoy your life. And what I mean by that is enjoy your life and do so as one of the ways that you show love to God. For the love of God, enjoy your life. Even if, probably especially if, life is nothing but hard and exhausting right now, especially if you're burned out. Sabbath, like we've been talking about, it's about carving one day out every single week to enjoy what he has given you. It's about retraining our, our hearts and our minds to seek out things to be thankful for, and then we tell them thank you for those things. God isn't dumb, right? And he knew that life would get really hard, and he knew we would spin out and we would burn out. And so at the very beginning of time, one of the very first religious practices he gives us is not a church building, It's not a church service, it's not a temple, it's not a set of rules to follow, it's not even the Bible yet. One of the first religious practices he gives us is Sabbath. A weekly opportunity to do nothing but enjoy him by enjoying the very good things he's given us. And so for the love of God, enjoy your life. For the love of God, once a week, stop working and put away the to-do list and don't check your email and don't do the laundry or the dishes or the yard. They'll be there tomorrow. Instead, for the love of God, take a break. As an act of love toward God, enjoy your life. For the love of God, go on a hike, right? Go on a hike as one of the ways you're gonna love God. We live in a beautiful place, take advantage of it. Right, being dwarfed by the Rocky Mountains, this is gonna put me out of a, of a job probably, but being dwarfed by the Rocky Mountains can a lot of times give you way more perspective on life than I could right now. For the love of God, go on a hike. For the love of God, have a good laugh with your kids. Let's face it, they're gonna grow up and they're not gonna measure us by how hard we worked, They're not gonna measure us by how much money we made or how respected we were by our peers. They're gonna measure us by how much time we spent with them. So, for the love of God, in a way that shows love to God, have a good laugh with your kids. Little stuff, too, like for the love of God, eat a donut. They're delicious. <laughs> <But> <laughs> probably not heard that in church, but I mean it. Like, I really mean it. Like, you can show love to God by eating a donut and afterwards being like, hey, God, thanks for Dunkin' Donuts, you know? <laughs> or if you're a very spiritual person, hey, God, thanks for Voodoo Donuts <laughs> or whatever, right? We are a nation of physically, spiritually, emotionally exhausted and burned out people, and we know it, and God knew we would have that tendency. And so from the very beginning, because he's a genius, God has said, for the love of me, take a break every week. And for the love of me, enjoy the things I've given you. Enjoy your life. Jesus says this, Jesus says in the midst of the stress, in the midst of the bills, in the midst of the promotions and the demotions and the nonstop schedule and the exhaustion and the burnout, Jesus says this. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you what? Rest. I'll give you rest. And take my yoke upon you and learn from me, meaning take to heart the things I teach you, including the Sabbath stuff, because I'm gentle and I'm humble in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. Because my yoke, my way of doing life is easy and my burden is light, my burden is freeing. Jesus says, live life my way and you'll find rest for your weary souls. And if that sounds like it's exactly what the doctor ordered, then are we willing to give this day of rest thing an actual shot? If so, let me kind of give you an, an idea of what this could look like in our lives. So I'm gonna give a rough outline of how we could practice Sabbath this next week, all right? Allie and I are committed to doing this. We actually can't wait, we're excited about it. All right? You're gonna have to tweak this outline to fit your own life, all right? Maybe Sunday isn't your day of rest. Maybe it's Friday, that's gonna be mine. I work Sundays, I do this. I love my job, but it's work, right? You Might have to change the day, or maybe you'll have to cut some stuff out of your schedule to make it work. It's not a one-size-fits-all is all I'm saying, but I think it'll get us close to trying this day of rest thing. So here's what it could look like for us, right? So Monday through Friday, those are days of work, all right? If you got a job, you're earning your paycheck. If you're a student, you're in class. If you're a stay-at-home mom, you are in full-blown stay-at-home mom mode. These are the days where we're joining God to try to make something great of this place, And right? So for five days a week, get to work. And then Saturday is a day of prep. This is the thing I'm most excited about in this outline, day of prep, all right? This is based on something in the Bible called the day of preparation. The Jewish people would have like feasts and festivals, big blowout parties multiple times in the year. Whenever they did that, the day before the party, they would have something called the day of preparation. They just got everything ready. They cooked all the food. They put up all the decorations. They worked, not for a paycheck, but they worked really, really hard so that tomorrow there's nothing to do but party. Here's what a day of prep could look like for us. We're not working for our employers, we're not earning a paycheck, but we are working really, really hard, right? We're, we're doing all the laundry, and we're doing all the yard work, and you gotta pay the bills, and you gotta clean the house, gotta make the food for today, maybe even tomorrow. Gotta go clean all the dishes, get another five items, checked off your home improvement to-do list, take the kids to dance class, take them to the tournament. We're working really hard, not for paychecks, but we're working so that tomorrow there is nothing to do but party and then tomorrow shows up and it's Sabbath, day of rest. The house is clean, the yard is mowed, the bills are paid, and the schedule is empty. What do you enjoy the most? For the love of God, go and enjoy it. If you're an introvert like me, this is your day to like read a nerdy book on history and hang with your family, right? If you're an extrovert, this is your day to invite people to your place for a party, and for the love of God, throw a great party. If you're on a diet and it's not gonna train wreck your progress, this is your off day, right? For the love of God, eat hot spicy cheeses. They're great, you earned it, right? <laughs> if you're a student, put your books down. and Go grab a legal pizza with your friends or whatever. If, if you enjoy disappointment, you could go to a Rockies game or something. Some <laughs> <laughs> oh, a mean joke. <laughs> sabbath day of rest what do you enjoy the most as an act of love towards god go and enjoy it it's not going to work perfectly every single time but here's the goal at the very least the goal is to go to bed every sunday night or whatever your day of rest is the goal is to go to bed thinking to yourself hey god thanks for a very good day and thanks for being a very good god who's given me very good things thank you The goal is to enjoy the day in such a way that you go to bed and God himself goes, that was a day well spent, that was a very good day, I feel loved, thank you. Yes, we're busy, yes, we're gonna have to rearrange stuff to make that work, but we're also burned out. And so is it possible that God had a good idea when he said once a week, just stop. Stop all the craziness and for the love of me, enjoy what I've given you. And can we picture what it might look like to have that day of rest to look forward to every single week, right? This, this day with our family, day with our friends, doing the things we enjoy the most. If we knew that day was coming every single week, would it like temper the frustration at work? Would it reprioritize our lives into a healthy place? Would our friendships grow deeper? Would our families grow closer? Would our joy go up and our stress go down? Basically, would our burnout begin to burn away if we knew that every single week we had that day to look forward to, Sabbath, a day set aside to simply enjoy God by enjoying the things he's given us? Jesus said, come to me and I'll give you rest, and he has, it's called Sabbath. And if you're weary and burdened and burnout, which most of us are, Jesus says, listen, start here and just stop and for the love of me, enjoy what I've given you. For the love of me, enjoy your life. If you wanna leave the burnout behind, it starts there. And so are we willing to start there? And are we willing to, for the love of God, enjoy our lives? Pray with me. God, I thank, thank you so much for who you are. I thank you for the, the way that you've designed us as people, the way you've designed this world and, and the way you've designed this like, rhythm of life and you put it on display at the very beginning. Work really, really hard six days a week. Let's make something of this place. And then that seventh day, just stop and remember that you're in control and remember that even if it feels like very little in this season, we do have stuff to be thankful for and you've given it to us this day to rest and do nothing but enjoy you by enjoying our lives. God, you could have been anything. If you're God, you could be anything. You could be a control freak, you could be a slave driver, you could be just manipulative, you could be whatever you want. Instead, you are the kind of God who is good and you want us to enjoy the very good things you've made for us. You want us to enjoy the life you've given us. God, most of the time we come into rooms like this and and we come crawling in, because life is crazy, and we're just looking for one word from you, something to learn, something to hang on to, and a lot of times we walk out of here feeling convicted, and we got a lot of stuff to change, we got big conversations that we gotta have with, with people in the car, in the parking lot, and today is not one of those days. Those are also good days, but today's not one. God, today we are going to try to practice, for the love of you, standing up and walking out those doors and enjoying our lives. God, please help us to do that. And God, I thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, who made this possible for us, and it's in his name I pray, amen.